When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Tudor Dixon Podcast. Well, you know that groceries are now breaking the bank, gas prices are soaring, and mortgage rates are through the roof. But the Biden administration still says that Bidenomics is working. Well, I've got the former economic policy advisor to President Trump, Larry Kudlow, with me here to give us his take. You can catch him every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern on his Fox Business show. Larry, welcome to the podcast. Tell us what you think about Bidenomics. Bidenomics. Bidenomics (laughs) is not doing well. That's what I would say about Bidenomics. Um, Listen, the problem with Bidenomics is the issue of affordability. And you mentioned a couple things, uh, you know, gasoline prices, gasoline prices have come down, but they're still way ahead of where they were a couple years ago, uh, where Donald Trump left them. And wages have gone up and people are working, but the trouble is the level of the consumer price index has gone up much more. So again, w- real wages are falling. Ordinary working folks, typical families, probably lost something in the neighborhood of $7,000 uh, in the last couple of years. Uh, and again, in the prior uh, years, they rose by almost $7,000, according to new revisions coming out of the government. And then the other problem you've got, besides real wages falling, um, grocery prices have been rising at a substantial rate. I mean, actually, you know, it's so much fun here economists heaven forbid economists love to look at the inflation rate and they say well we have to look at the core rate we have to exclude food and energy so i think that's a big problem because food aka groceries and energy aka gasoline those are the necessities the essentials of life of day-to-day life Absolutely. That's what I spend all my money on. Yeah, I mean, so I just looked at it when we got the third quarter uh, data, third quarter numbers on GDP and the GDP deflator. So I took out everything. (laughs) I took out everything but 
food and energy, okay? Because that's what you should be looking at if you're worried about middle-class living. And so it turns out that number is up 6.6% at an mm -hmm. annual rate, all right? Whereas the overall deflator was only up about three, a little over 3%, which itself is too high. The necessities of life, food and energy up nearly 7% at an annual rate. That's the problem with Bidenomics. The level of prices has gone up markedly, almost 20% in the last three, nearly three years. And that's killed people. You're working, but you're losing ground. You're working harder and you're buying less. That's the problem. Life is not affordable for middle income people. And actually, by the way, lower income people. I mean, minority groups right. get even harder uh, than middle class people do. Uh, at least in low-income minority groups. So the, that's the problem with Bidenomics. The last point I'll make is, um, you know, home buying, uh, you want to have a home, buy a home, that's the American dream. So the problem there is mortgage rates are now over 8%. And that makes uh, housing affordability, I, I think I just saw from the National Association of Home Builders, uh, it's the worst in something like 20 years. Wow. So... Yeah, you know, these are the difficulties. And look, the the root cause of this, um, the root cause of this is too much spending, too much money printing, too much borrowing, and these things feed into the inflation rate. Uh, so you know that's the failure of Bidenomics. I mean, we can. There are other things to talk about the war against fossil fuels, for example. But th those are the those are the basics, Tudor. Well, let me ask you that, because when we talked to Donald Trump and I asked him about the situation with inflation and just in general, the overall costs that are costing, as you said, low income families the most. He simply said, drill, 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 baby, drill, yes. which I, I from your perspective, is that the answer? Because right now we see Biden stepping further away from America drilling oil. Yes. Well, I, I think President Trump was right. Um, it's not the only factor, but it's really a major factor. You know, just so why is it a major factor? Because I mean, is that because as the oil prices go higher, it's higher to transport everything and then everything goes up? Is that what we're seeing happening? I'm not turning my back on you. I'm going to get, <laughs> I'm going to get you a list. I have this wonderful list that I keep. Uh, most folks do not understand how important uh, oil and petroleum is to the economy. So when President Trump says drill, baby, drill, he's right. Uh, we got it up to 13 million barrels a day. Then after the pandemic, uh, you know, Biden and his war against fossil fuels, it recovered briefly and then it came back down. It's come back to about 12 and a half million barrels a day, but it ought to be about 14 or 15 million barrels a day. That's the problem. If you were drilling and the rig count was up, you'd be about 14 to 15 million barrels a day. So prices are 80 to $90 a barrel right now. You know, follow me with this, 80 to 90. Gasoline is around three and a half dollars, okay? If you drilled properly, you didn't have a war against fossil fuels and you didn't have all this socialist Green New Deal stuff, you'd basically be 14 to 15 million. What would that do to prices? That would bring prices down 
I would say, Tudor, hard, you know, hard to be exact, but it would be close to $50 a barrel, not $80 or $90 a wow. barrel. And the price of gasoline would be closer to $2 or maybe $250. It wouldn't be a $350. So that's it. Now, look at Here's another point. Hundreds, hundreds of prices throughout every nook and cranny in the economy are affected by refined petroleum products. All right, follow me on this. It's not only gasoline, okay? Can I just read you, we'll have some fun here. I don't know if you have a couple hours. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I had this list, I carry it around with me. It's from the energy department, okay? It's fossil energy, and it really comes to refined petroleum in our daily lives. Are you ready? Yep. Air mattresses, antifreeze, antihistamines, antiseptics, asphalt, aspirin. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just eyeballing this. Boats, cameras, candies, car batteries and cases, cell phones, clothes, coffee makers. Here's one, cold cream, all right? We both have to take our makeup off every day. You and <laughs> Crayons, credit cards, curtains, denture adhesives. Now I'm skipping over stuff. I'm just dishwashing liquids, dog collars, electric blankets, all right? Now, uh, fertilizers, fertilizers are very important because that goes into food prices. And that has been outrageous the past few years is the cost of fertilizer. Yeah. And it has cost, that is another reason our, our food prices are higher. Here's some um, golf bags, golf balls, guitar strings, hair colors. I won't mention that. Ice buckets, lipstick, me money. lipstick, luggage, mops. Okay. Now we go into um, pharmaceuticals. Okay. Drugs that we use every day. Again, including aspirin, refrigerator linings, roller skate wheels, roofing, rubber cement, shoes, sandals, sunglasses, surfboards. I'm sure you're out there surfboarding in Michigan. Tennis rackets, okay. I played college varsity tennis. Tires, toothbrushes, transparent take, trash bags, truck and automobile parts. TV cabinets, okay? So when I say hundreds of items of ordinary life, okay, those are affected by the price of oil. And so oil between 80 and $90, which may get back to 100, it got as high as 125, causes all these prices to go up and your living standards to go down. If you drilled properly, and we had a high rig count, and these uh, big oil companies were investing in uh, new, you know, new fracking, for example, Harold Hamm, our friend, you'd be closer to $50 a barrel, and you'd be closer to three and a half bucks of gasoline. And all these prices I just mentioned, every one of these prices would be 25 to 50% lower. So what does that mean? It means whatever you're making, your take-home pay would buy more 
because these prices would be less. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Actually, it's funny that you go through all of these things because I think people don't realize that. I mean, remember the controversy a few years ago, I think it was North Face or something that came out and said they were, they were against big oil and they, right. and big oil laughed and said, how do you think you make your jackets? Exactly. By the way, if you go into, you know, God forbid you go into an operating room, probably 75% of the things these doctors use have a petroleum base to them. Yeah, I mean, so I used to be in manufacturing and I sold tool and die steel. Everything was plastic injection molding. And so we would see all of the new trim and everything on the cars before they were coming out. And just the other day, I was sitting in the car with a a guy who's never been in manufacturing. And I said, just just for a moment, look at every piece on your car, every button, every little detail, every little chromed piece. All of this is coming from Oil. I mean, these are all made. That is all a direct result of somebody manufacturing this with a plastics process, and that's all coming from oil. So my question to you is, 
we are seeing this push to get rid of fossil fuels. Nobody really understands all of the things they make. But in addition to that, we had a state senator who was on the floor a couple days ago, and he gave a very compelling speech. He's also a dairy farmer in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And he said that the, I think as the governor is now wanting to take 260,000 acres of farmland and put solar farms on them. He said, let me tell you how that affects me. Because if my buddy to the right of me decides I'd rather get $3,000 a month of subsidies for my land and gets rid of his dairy farm and to the left of me the same, he said, suddenly nobody wants to come and and service any of my equipment, come out and help me with my farm. If I have a problem, I can't go to the neighbors because they don't have a dairy farm anymore. He said, your food security is at risk as long as you are focused on only one thing, and that is getting rid of fossil fuels and bringing in these solar farms and wind farms. So how serious is this? If we get rid of fossil fuels and we we are, how many things are we putting into jeopardy right now by doing this? It's, it's catastrophic. Hmm. It, 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 look, can I just say it can't happen and it won't happen. Uh, you have these uh, left-wing climate change people running the administration, and this has been their great dream for years. But let's be very clear. If you go underneath the climate change hood, think of it as the hood of a car, go underneath that hood, what you have... <clears throat> is an ideology that is against free market capitalism. Mm -hmm. Okay, these people are central planners. This is Soviet style, five-year plans, 10-year plans. They are opposed to business. And one of the key aspects of the Biden administration across the board in everything they do is the massive volume, thousands of new regulations aimed at controlling business or stopping business, right? And, and people mistakenly think that that is to protect the earth in the future, but it yeah. doesn't protect the earth in the future. No, no and, I, and, and interestingly enough, too, another point on this is, um, if you, let's say you want to produce a wind farm. I, I'm not against wind energy, and I'm not against solar energy. You know, I, I, I just am against the idea that you're going to abolish fossil energy. But if you want to build a wind farm, you are going to create a tremendous uh, output of carbon. Make no mistake about that. Mm -hmm. The equipment you use, the construction, the excavation, all of that will release massive amounts of carbon into the air. You'll also destroy the environment. I mean, these wind farms are several hundred square miles or more, and you're just going to dig up the environment. Uh, you're going to wreck whatever wildlife is there. You know, talk about endangered species. You're going to destroy all that stuff. So people haven't thought this through. And the Biden administration has, in my opinion, purposely avoided explaining to people what it means to replace fossil energy with um, uh, wind or solar energy. They have never given you a roadmap. They've never been specific about the carbon cost or the overall cost in dollars and cents. And then finally, as I'm sure you're aware, because they are opposed to drilling and excavation of minerals, 
which are necessary for uh, electric-powered car batteries. You're helping China, which is our enemy, okay? You know, we have the minerals here to produce um, electric uh, car batteries. And I'm not opposed to electric cars, okay? Uh, but, 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 the same regulations that are stopping fossil fuel excavation apply to other minerals. And those minerals are necessary for the very batteries to power the cars. So when they say gas-powered cars end in 2035, you sort of scratch your head and you go, how are we going to do this? Well, the answer is, we'll buy China. We'll just have to buy all of China because China has the, uh, the mineral resources and they excavate it. So this is silly. The whole thing is silly. And that's why it is so unpopular. You know, by two to one, people do not want to end gas-powered automobiles. They, oh, by two, that by that two was two. actually what I was going to say, because we just saw Ford say they're not going to open this battery plant that they had right. promised in Kentucky. They are putting a hold on the one that they were talking about in Michigan. Is this, I mean, you could say this is maybe because of the strike, but is it more because they're realizing that we're, while people are not opposed to electric vehicles, not everybody wants to go out and buy one and rely fully on an electric vehicle. I mean, even the Ford CEO came out and said, we're finding out that this is more of, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but a rich man's toy than an actual daily driver. Well, they lost $4.5 billion last year on the EV side. The only thing keeping Ford in business uh, is the um, is the SUV and truck business. That's the only that's where they make their money, and not sedans, by the way. It's the uh, SUVs and trucks. Look, uh, I, I I don't know the current CEO of Forbes. I, I work for it. I work closely with the prior CEOs. Uh, I do know Mary Barra very well from General Motors. Um, Mary Barra is a very smart woman, but she's a dreamer. She came up through the planning stage. She's never really done cars per se. And uh, you will see the same out of them. They're losing money hand over fist, trying to jam down these electric vehicles. Folks don't want them, all right? Some folks, some well-to-do folks want them, okay? I, I wrote in one, uh, a super rich money manager two years ago in Palm Beach, Florida. We were at a dinner party. Everybody will leave 10 o'clock at night says, come on, I want to show you my new uh, Tesla. He has a Tesla. And I'm not going to mention this guy's name. He's a very good conservative, I man. But anyway, so I want you to take a ride in my Tesla. So we're, we're in the middle of Palm Beach, Florida, and I get into the car, and there's no lights. It's absolutely pitch dark. He guns the engine, which you don't hear, and I'm doing 60 miles an hour or more in about one and a half seconds. Okay, I got that. I got that. And it was a thrill. Now, you have to pay about $150,000 for that car, all right? So it is a rich person's toy, okay? I'm not against him. I happen to like Elon Musk. I know the guy, did a little bit of work with him in the White House, but this is not for everybody. A lot of people would like to buy a $35,000 car, okay, or a $45,000 car, but they don't need to buy a $75,000 electric vehicle just because Joe Biden says you have to. Well, and you talked about China. I want to get into that a little bit because it does seem like we are 
trading national security for what we say is going to be economic growth that doesn't seem to be economic growth. And we're bringing some of these companies right into the United States, like this company in Michigan that is supposedly making some sort of electric battery component. But we're hearing that it's not even staying in the United States, that it will ship out of the United States. So why are we bringing under the guise of being green and being a cleaner nation, even though China is not going to be green or be a cleaner nation, why are we bringing in companies that are affiliated with the Chinese Communist Party into the United States, and how dangerous is that? Well, that's a good question. Um, the answer is you're giving up a lot of national security. You're giving up a lot of economic security. Um, you know, I was on the China trade team, and I thought President Trump, uh, his phase one China deal was a pretty good deal. Um, not all of it is being implemented. Some of it is. His uh, trade rep, Robert Lighthizer, uh, Bob Lighthizer is a very dear friend of mine, uh, did a great negotiating job. I don't know that they're going to implement it. Here's the key point. It's not electric cars that worry me, although I, I think it's silliness because we're going to have to buy the minerals for the batteries from China. So it's like, you know, it's like the, the, the China uh, Economic Growth Act. But what is, what is so important here is technology. You know, America is a world leader in technology and in advanced technology. And that is the lifeblood of our economy. That's where the inventions and innovations, that's where the high paying jobs come from. That's where the new businesses come from. It's all about advanced technology, which we still do better than anybody else in the world, okay? We cannot, this is what Lighthizer taught me, we cannot give up our technological advance. It is the heart of the American economy. And so when we had negotiations you know, from Trump and Xi all the way down the line, we said, look, you are stealing our technology and we can't allow that. Uh, we cannot allow intellectual property to be stolen. You are stealing it left and right. Mm -hmm. We cannot allow the forced transfer of technology. So an American company goes to China, as a lot of them did, uh, in the 1990s and the 2000s. The Chinese require that they own 51% of the company and they control the board of directors, okay? So what do they do? They said they, they make you put their your blueprint on the table. They order you to do this in order for you to continue to trade with them. Blueprints on the table, they make notes, they do reverse engineering and they steal our technology, our intellectual property. This cannot be permitted. And if that means, and I'm, I, I tend to be a free trader, President Trump kids me about this all the time, but I supported him on his China tariffs because we cannot allow them to steal our intellectual property and our advanced technology. We cannot allow that. And it's not only an economic issue, uh, Tudor, it's a, a national security issue because of the defense weaponry, as you can well imagine. 
So the stakes here are very high. Why do we even allow, we have on so many of our defense projects, we have a a 90% Buy America clause. Why is it just that? Why aren't there, there certain standards where you can't buy from countries that are adversarial? Well, I would agree with that. I think that's something that has to be looked into. You'd need a tough administration to do it. We don't have that now. But I we think- don't. I, I mean, and I think that that is why a lot of Americans feel very nervous right now. They see what's happening in Israel. They see what's happening with Russia. They see what's happening with North Korea, China, Russia, Iran, all talking. And they feel very concerned about a man who looks so frail on the world stage. And, and really, it seems as though Biden is not the man that he was when he was senator, not even when he was vice president. And was he even capable of being president in those times? But now he is the president and he seems to have an administration that is very young very goofy a lot of people that are questioning their own lifestyle and yet they are making key decisions for the country and making huge mistakes like even the social media mistake where they are putting out pictures of our special forces those are errors that cannot be made from the president of the united states so how do the american people feel comfortable with this and how do we get our candidates for president to get the message out that you got to vote for a Republican in 24 because this is not going to be, this is not going to end well if Biden has another four years. Yeah, well, you know, um, (laughs) Trump took out Soleimani. All right. Soleimani, who was Iran's uh, head of uh, uh, terror operations, he was the number one guy. Uh, so Soleimani lived a lavish lifestyle and he's coming out of an Iraq airport and he's going to visit an Iranian command and control center in Iraq and he got into a car and Trump took him out. He and his driver. What did Iran do? They didn't do anything. You know why? Because this economic and energy sanctions that we put on them were enforced. Hmm. So they were not uh, selling oil. They were down to like 400,000 barrels of oil. Today, they're up to close to 4 million. Their foreign exchange reserves are almost, I don't know, $5 billion. Today, they're about $80 billion. They didn't say a word. I, I, it's funny. I was on, on the air this morning on one of the business shows. Um, Trump also told the mullahs, uh, I have your phone number and I know your how your home address. And people thought that was nuts, but it worked. That's what you need. You, you, you need deterrence, not appeasement. You have in the Biden administration appeasers. What we need are strongmen. Peace through strength requires actions from time to time to send a message and make a point. And uh, when I was a young man, I worked for Ronald Reagan. Reagan knew this very well. And then more recently, I worked for President Trump, and he understood it very well. Deterrence is what you need, not appeasement. Um, that's the big issue right now. I don't think we'd be in Afghanistan or we wouldn't have had to vacate Afghanistan the way we did. I don't think uh, Putin would have ever in, uh, invaded uh, Ukraine. And I don't think Hamas would have ever uh, undertaken this barbaric uh, uh, invasion of Israel, you know, killing 1,400 civilians 
at a peace concert. I mean, I don't believe it. Iran is Iran is the problem. Probably the biggest problem is Iran right now. The biggest problem, maybe North Korea, close second. But China is our enemy. Russia is our enemy. Maybe we can do business with Russia on some things, but I'm very doubtful. Uh, you need a strong person in the White House. You know, uh, the other thing, Tudor, is um, I'm, I'm not going to judge the Biden people personally. I, I know some of them, okay? I knew them when they worked for Obama. I've known them when they were out of office. Uh, there's some good people in that administration. But predominantly, the people staffing the Biden administration are not men and women who have worked in business, had to earn a paycheck, had to sign a paycheck. They have no understanding of that. And um, that's really too bad. And, you know, was the Trump administration perfect with his personnel? No, these things are never perfect. But if you look at the top layer, uh, all of us worked in business one way or another. We either worked at companies or corporations or Wall Street or, you know, businesses or energy and oil, uh, health care. These were men and women from business, okay? And I think that makes a big uh, difference. And that's why I said earlier when we were talking uh, about the energy problem, uh, these are central planners. These are people that believe in government. It's like, it's, like, it's like something out of a Friedrich Hayek book. It's like the road to serfdom or the constitution of liberty. Um, Hayek always writes about the central planners the bureaucrats who think they know more than people who work in everyday private lives in business. They don't know more. I'm sorry. I've been in both sides. They right. don't know more. You just don't. <laughs> and look, and President Trump himself obviously was a successful businessman. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. 
Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, I understand not wanting to say anything negative about folks in the Biden administration, but I have to ask, when you talk about this Iran situation, this is not this has not been a mystery. They've been the number one world sponsor of terror for decades. That we know that if they have money, that this is what they will do with it. It's not as though they're going to have beautiful buildings, that they're going to invest in their communities, that they're going to have great playgrounds. This is not who they are. They are a terrorist organization, and they want to go after people and eliminate them. So why did the Biden administration allow this to... Why did they loosen these sanctions? Why did they allow them to make so much money knowing that, I mean, and it's not a question. You can look at the Supreme Leader's Twitter or Twitter account and or X account, whatever we're calling it these days, and see that this is his plan. This is the plan of Iran. So how did they allow this to happen? How can one administration be so irresponsible? Is it just filled with useful idiots? People that are just like, hey, we want to be loving and caring. I mean, we see a lot of that now. All these people that are like, we can all get along, but we know we can't all get along. We know there are people that are genuinely dangerous who want to go after certain groups of people and wipe them off the planet. So how are how can it be that there are no adults in this administration that said, no, 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 we're not going to loosen the reins on this particular group? Well, there are adults, but they're wrong thinking adults. <sighs> I mean, that's really the, you know, um, there's a view which, you know, goes back to the Obama administration. You know, this basically is the Obama's third term, if you will, um, that Iran could be brought into the um, into the world of other nations in the Middle East, that Iran could be integrated into the Middle East, you know, and, and take their seat at the negotiating table with the other civilized countries. Um, that is a foolish view. That is a view that has been disproved by events going back all the way. Again, I my years remember it was the Ayatollah that took the American hostages. And the morning that Ronald Reagan was inaugurated, they released the hostages because they knew Reagan would take action. Iran is a bad actor, as you say. So this view that you can integrate Iran into the Middle East is wrong. And by the way, most of the other Arab nations now do not like Iran. This was the heart of the Abraham Accords that President Trump and uh, all of us negotiated. Jared Kushner, David Friedman, all of the whole gang was uh, Pompeo. I mean, it was a good group there the last two or three years, I thought. And um, there's a story running. You take a look at this or have somebody do 
online newspaper, the New York Sun. It's a very good conservative paper. But anyway, there's a story by Benny Abney, a reporter. Uh, no matter what the Arabs, the other Arab nations may say publicly about this Hamas travesty, they don't want or like Hamas or Hezbollah or Iran any more than you and I do. They would love to see Israel wipe Hamas out. It's a very important story because these were the nations that we were negotiating with. And that includes the Saudis. You know, ask yourself this. You have this blow up in the Middle East once again, but the price of oil hasn't moved. Hmm. This is not the Yom Kippur War of 50 years ago. This is not the Arab oil embargo. You know why? Because Saudi Arabia doesn't like Iran, period, full stop. And the Saudis were doing that. And I'm not going to defend everything the Saudis have done, but I'm saying their foreign policy is much more pro-Israel today and anti-Iran. And it's true with the Emirates, and it's true with the other Gulf states, okay? And this is a very important swing. And that's one reason why I want Biden to just let Bibi Netanyahu, warts and all, just let Netanyahu and the IDF do what they're going to do. They'll be doing the whole world a great service by cleaning up Hamas. They'll be doing the all-civilized world a great service. Israel can do more for religious freedom than any other country right now by wiping out Hamas. And if you wipe out Hamas, the next step is Iran. Iran will fall, but you'll need a strong president to push it over. And we're going to have a strong president in a little more than a year. Well, I absolutely hope everybody is listening so they go out and vote, because I think that what you're saying is so key that these Arab nations Maybe they'll be silent. Maybe they'll say they are supporting the other side. But if you have a strong America, you have a strong world. I mean, and that there is no question about that. If we are a weak America, you see what's happening right now. I think that's what so many people are saying. You've got to make sure you vote for a strong America and get a Republican president in there in 2024. Larry Kudlow, it is so interesting to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. My pleasure. And thank you all for joining us on the Tudor Dixon podcast for this episode and others. Go to TudorDixonPodcast.com. You can subscribe right there or head over to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And join us the next time on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Have a blessed day. Two-thirds of Americans are at risk to experience a blackout. Are you ready to protect your family? You could be with the Patriot Power Solar Generator 2000X. This new solar generator has double the capacity and is expandable, so you can run the big appliances like your fridge even longer. Best of all, this new solar generator is fume-free, safe to use inside, and never needs gas, ever. Over 150,000 Americans trust Patriot Power Generators. Go to 4patriots.com tutor to get your solar generator now. You'll even get a solar panel included free. Go to fourpatriots.com slash tutor. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. 
I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.